Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Find Me in a Book podcast. I'm your host, Tav. Today is episode 20. That means we've been doing this for 20 weeks, and I hope that you've enjoyed every single week just like I have. And today is a special episode because we are finally going to be talking about the Blood and Ash series by Jennifer Armentrout. I know, you've been looking forward to it because then I'll finally stop talking about the series. Maybe. There's a chance, but most likely I'm going to always talk about it because it literally is one of my most favorites. So today we are going to be talking about the first book because the fourth book comes out tomorrow. So Tuesday, March 15th is when the fourth book comes out. And I can't wait, but I'm not going to read it until after I reread the first through the third and do the podcast episodes. So then by that time, hopefully you've caught up. Hopefully you're kind of where I am and we'll go from there. So like I did in the Crush series, the first book I'm going to do a pretty brief kind of overview, not give you a ton of details, but enough details that hopefully it intrigues you enough to go and read the book so that you can follow along with the series. And there is going to be a point like towards the end of the book where I'm not going to continue because there's a lot of reveals, a lot of twists that happen after that. And I don't think that I would be able to tell you the rest of the story without revealing all of that. So I'm going to keep you in suspense, but just know next week in the second part of the series and second book, I will reveal all of it. I'll, I'll go back kind of through the last half of the first book and reveal everything. So this episode is kind of like a teaser of the whole series. It kind of gives you like a little taste. You know what I'm saying. Basically, I'm giving you time to catch up. Or if you really like, no, I'm here for this podcast. I'm not going to read it. It'll give you it'll give you all of it. I'm just trying to please everyone, you know. And once again, if you hear strange things in the background, I do have the dogs up here again. My husband is in North Carolina for three months. So love them. They make a lot of noise. Book number one in the Blood and Ash series, it's called Blood and Ash. It's by Jennifer Armitrout, and I have been reading her books for many, many years. Many, many years. The first books that I ever read were her Lux series, and that is the series that has like Obsidian, Onyx, and they are about aliens, which I deeply, deeply enjoy. And then a couple other ones that I have read that are perfect as well is the covenant series the origin series which the origin series go off of the luck series and then the dark element series which i believe are about gargoyles i haven't actually read those which i really need to i'm surprised that i haven't started those and then the titan series which the titan series goes off of the covenant series and i really really enjoyed those so basically anything that jennifer armentrout writes i read and i'm obsessed with So when she came out with this series, I was like, immediately, yes, I am reading this, and I have been obsessed since. So 10 out of 10, I highly recommend this series to you, especially, I mean, my sister has read this right along with me. She's obsessed. As for my mom, I think she would really enjoy the second book and the third book. The first book, I think it would kind of be a little bit much for her because there it is pretty toasty I think she would really like it once it gets into more of the storyline and the characters and really really all the twists and the turns so one day will we we will make her read this and I think she would greatly enjoy it and going back to what I just said toast 
which if you're new here, when I say they make toast, I think you're kind of, you're going to pick up what I'm putting down. Basically, they have sex, but I, I'm still a child and I don't like saying that word. So that's what making toast means. And when it's toasty and spicy, that means it's a, it's a little heated. You know what I'm saying? It's a little, it's a, it's a lot. And I'm, I'm here for it. I enjoy those things. But if you're not, that's totally fine. You can definitely skip those parts There are a couple parts in this book. It's more towards the end, but they're easily skippable, and it's it's good. It's good. I think you should read them, but I'm not going to peer pressure you. That's fine. If spice is not your thing, that's totally fine. Read it for the story, because these twists and turns are magic. Okay, these books are a deep, deep fantasy, so it's a, it's, so she has created this whole nother world, like whole nother word, world, I'm telling you, like nothing like ours, and it's not related to our earth, it's not related to humankind, nothing. It's completely different. And I was reading uh, where she kind of, where she like thanks people, like the author thanks people and, and says different things on there. And she actually said that she talked to Sarah J. Moss a lot, which Sarah J. Moss is the one She's the one that wrote A Court of Thorn and Roses, which I highly recommend that series as well. And I think that series is actually really popular right now. It's been out for a while, but it's become very, very popular. And that is one that I highly recommend as well, like I said a couple seconds ago. So if you would rather not read this one, that's the next one that I would say you need to read. Absolutely. So without further ado, let's get into this book. As we get started, I'm just going to warn you, there's a lot of information and a lot of world building. And as I go through this book, I'm going to try and tell you as much as I can. But also a lot will be said in the second and third book too. I'll I'll do kind of reminders like, oh yeah, we talked about this or this is what this means. So there'll be a lot of callbacks as I go throughout the different books. But this book is mostly like building the world, building the characters, building the scenes, building the supernaturals, building, just building, building, building. And so there's going to be a lot of information. So if something doesn't make sense, please comment on my Instagram and we can message back and forth. And so the more feedback that I have, the more I can explain everything better to you so that I can build this world for you. So we open up and our main character is at a card game. Um, with some guards from the Rise at the Red Pearl. So the Rise is a wall that's enclosed of all of Macedonia, which Macedonia is like the country, I want to say. Country, maybe county. And then Solace is the country. So Macedonia um, and every city in the kingdom of Solace. So they have this whole wall enclosed around them. And that happened about four centuries ago when there was the War of the Two Kings. And so they have guards that are on this rise, basically protecting from this mist. And we'll talk about the mist and what is in that mist a little bit later on. And the Red Pearl is like a tavern, a bar that they have girls at. 
and guards go there to play games. They go to drink. They go to interact with women. We learn that our main character is actually, they call her the maiden or the chosen. So she usually has a veil covering her face and hair, except for lips and jaw. Um, That's what she chose to wear that night. So let me explain that a little bit further. So being the maiden, she usually has this mask on, which imagine kind of this lace covering that covers your eyes and goes below your nose. And I'm going to post on my Instagram, there's really, really great fan art about this book. And so I highly recommend looking it up because it shows kind of a good depiction of what this mask is. So it's called like a domino mask. So it lays over your face and then she also has to wear a veil. So in the Red Pearl, she's not wearing the veil because she doesn't want to be like... She doesn't want people to know that she's the maiden. And so that veil completely covers everything. And so you aren't really able to see any of her face. So she's like double masked up basically. But in this red pearl, she's only wearing a regular mask. And so most of the other women are as well. And that's if they've they're married or they're widowed or they're a lady in waiting. Basically, higher up women that are in the castle, they wear these masks, I guess, out of sign of respect. I don't really know. So she's blending in with this mask that she found. We learn that her name is Poppy. So in this kingdom of solace, they have what is called a rite. So R-I-T-E. And this is where the second daughters and sons and the third daughters and sons are given to the royal court upon their 13th birthday. So that's called the annual rite. They are given to the gods as kind of a, not a sacrifice, but basically they are going to go serve the gods. And so it's this privilege to be a second and third daughter or son. Poppy, her real name is Penelope of Castle Tierman, so the queen's favorite. She is the maiden and chosen. She is turning 19 soon, and she's going to ascend, which is like all what all the ladies and lords do. And that's what the, the first son or daughter does. The first daughter or son, they live with their parents. They prepare themselves when they turn 19, they ascend. It's this beautiful ceremony that they hold every year. People are excited. They're honored. And that's kind of how this kingdom works. And I hope that made sense. So going back to the tavern, she decides that she doesn't want to play the games anymore. They start talking about what's outside of the gate, like the guards are just kind of being morbid a bit. And so She gets up and she's walking towards this room where this strange music is playing and she gets stopped by a woman, like a beautiful woman. And the woman is like, you don't want to go in there. And she's like, um, yeah, I I think I do. And she's like, the woman's like, you you don't want to go in there. Like, have a peek in there. See if you want to go in there. And so Poppy like pokes her head in. It's basically like a sex room. Like it's uh they don't she doesn't describe it as that but basically like these people are dancing and probably grinding and that's like the, not the only thing that they're doing in there so then Poppy is like oh <laughs> like that's not for me so she turns around and the woman is like oh you've never been here before i can tell 
And Poppy was like, oh, you don't know that. You don't know that. And the woman is like, yes, I do. Like, we usually don't get maidens in here. So Poppy's freaking out because she's like, oh, my gosh, I've been made like this lady's going to turn me into the Duke and Duchess. Like, I'm going to be punished. And and she says that to the woman, like, oh, are you going to turn me in? Like, you could get favored. And the lady was like, I have no need of being of favor from the ascended. And she says that kind of, like, bitterly. And so Poppy's thinking, like, okay, does this woman, like, not recognize the king and queen as, like, the true rightful rulers? Like, maybe she supports the one that they call Prince Castile as, like, the true heir of the kingdom. And she just has a lot of thoughts going through their mind, which Prince Castile, he was nothing more than, like, a remnant of Atlantia. So Atlantia is, like, the corrupt and twisted kingdom that had fallen at the end of the War of the Two Kings. And they also called him, like, the Dark One. And there's his followers, which are called Descenders, and they do riots. They kind of just cause uneasiness throughout the towns and the country of Solace, like... And the woman's like, no, I'm not going to turn you in. Everything's fine, but you do have to worry about him. And she looks towards the door and Poppy just kind of freezes because that's when we meet Victor. And Victor is like in his 50s and he is basically like a father figure to Poppy. Since we we learn, we'll learn in a little bit about Poppy's family, but she doesn't have parents anymore. And Victor has basically become a father figure to her. He is her personal guard and he has taught her to train, even though it's very frowned upon, very unworthy of Poppy to know how to use a dagger, everything. And so she's like, ah, like he can't know that I'm here. She does have a second guard and his name is Ryland and he's not with Victor that night because he's supposed to be guarding Poppy and he doesn't know that that Poppy left her room. So he's basically standing outside an empty room. So Poppy turns to the woman and is like, I got to get out of here. And the woman was like, it's okay. I understand. Go upstairs. There's some empty rooms. Go to the sixth door on the left. It'll be empty. You can wait there until he leaves or you can find a way out. So Poppy's like, okay. So she runs up there. She turns the knob, goes in the door and is shutting the door when she feels like an arm around her waist. And someone says, this is unexpected. But even though he doesn't recognize her and he shouldn't recognize her, she immediately recognizes him. This guy is Hawk Flynn. So everyone in the castle knows who he is. He came from the capital. Um, He had like glowing recommendations. He's one of the best guards that they've seen in a really long time. He's moved up in ranks like really quickly. Just everyone knows who he is. And he came from the capital a couple weeks ago. And Poppy has actually been watching him train because, I mean, who wouldn't? Like if there's a beautiful man like training and fighting and stuff like... I mean, I don't blame her for watching because I would be right there with her. So before she turns around, he says, I wasn't expecting you tonight. And that's when she realizes that she was wearing one of the maid's cloaks. And he thought that she was someone else. And so she like turns around. There's like a very heated moment and she hasn't said anything. And and he's like being very affectionate. And so he like picks her up and like puts her on the bed and kisses her. And she's never been kissed before. Mind you, she's the maiden. So she has to be like pure from everything. And he kisses her and she's like, oh my gosh, like freaking out inside, which yeah, 
of course. And that's when he like immediately knows that it's not the other girl, like the maid. And so he's like, who are you? And he's not like upset about it. He's intrigued. And they have like a lot of banter back and forth about like her not telling him who she is and like kind of like good conversation basically while he's on top of her. So while they have that banter, um, he kind of moves his hand like up her thigh when he feels like her holster for her dagger. And so he pulls the dagger out and he's like, what is this? And so she's like, I was trained to fight like I, I know how to use that. And he's like, this is a really interesting dagger, and it's made of bloodstone and wolven bone, which we'll, I'll explain later what wolven wolvens are. Basically, werewolf, I'll just tell you right now. And so it's a very interesting dagger, and he's, of course, even more intrigued, and they get very heated, and it's a lot of banter, heated moments. We love that, and... Then they're interrupted by a guard, and his name is Kiernan. He came from the capital with Hawk. He says, hey, the envoy just arrived. Like, we have to go. And Hawk is like, like, I don't want to go. Like, I'm so intrigued. But he's like, please wait for me. Please. Like, I will be back. I want to know more about you. Please. And, of course, she's not going to wait. And so she gets back to the castle. The next day, everything goes by well. And she does her daily tasks that she has to do. She has to do all this training and worship, all that. And then that night, Victor comes to her saying that there's this cursed. So there's a network throughout the town of people that know about someone that helps people die with dignity. That was kind of a long explanation. But basically, what is in the mist are these craven. When you're bitten by a craven, the person is becoming one. And so they're going crazy, kind of like a zombie bite when you think about it. And so they want these people to die with dignity because if the if the Duchess and Duke find out or like their guards find out that someone was bit, they like bring them out to like the town square and hang them. They do this just really big show of it and so people don't want that of course because it's not really like their fault that they were bit and so they have this network that gets through to poppy that she goes and she helps them die with dignity and helps them take away their pain and so the craven we'll talk about the craven now so the craven they were creations of the Atlanteans, so the product of their poisonous kiss, which acted kind of like an infection. So starved creatures whose bodies and minds became twisted and decayed by ceaseless hunger. Really, though, like like a zombie. Really think of it as like a zombie bite and it spreads. And even though the majority of the Atlanteans had been hunted into extinction, many still existed uh, and there really only needed to be one Atlantean alive for there to be a dozen craven, if not more. Um, and they were completely mindless, and they could be controlled by only the Dark One. So that prince that we talked about earlier. And so she goes to that house with Victor, 
And she meets Agnes, which Agnes, she is the wife of the man that was bitten by the craven. And he wanted to come home. He knew he had been bitten, but he knew he kind of had this short timeline. He wanted to come home and say goodbye to his wife. And then she put up the signal. I think it was like a white handkerchief. And so Poppy knew to come by and help him, which she did. And she is able to take people's pain away. That's one of the gifts that she has. She's able to feel the emotions of those around her and to be able to take pain away. And so that's how she's able to help them die with dignity. The next day, there is like this girl that dies in the castle and she is drained of blood. She has two puncture marks. Everyone's kind of freaking out because that's the sign of of an Atlantean. Poppy goes to the library to look up history books. There honestly is no... There's no talk of any other maiden before her or chosen or anything like that. And she also looks through a book of the Atlanteans and history of them. It mentions the extinction extinction of the woven and that there possibly was like a bonding ritual which was performed between an Atlantean of a certain class and a woven. But not much is known about this bond, um, but it's believed that the woven in question was duty-bound to protect the Atlantean. So like I said before, the woven is basically like a werewolf, and they are bonded to protect a certain Atlantean. That night, after she did some more research, she goes with her guard, Ryland, and they go to the garden every single night. Um, at the same time because there are night bloom roses which I don't know if it's a real thing I guess I need to look it up but it sounds very interesting Um, at dusk is when they bloom and so I don't know if it's like they kind of close up in the daytime every day and then they bloom at night I would be very interested to know more about them and to see what they look like And I really hope that they're real because that would be freaking awesome. (laughs) So they are going that night and she was actually pretty cautious about it. And so is Ryland just because there was that killing in the castle earlier that day. But she just really needed to get out. And so Ryland was like, it's okay. Like, I'm aware of my surroundings. Like, I am being cautious. Everything will be fine. And hopefully, like, things had calmed down so that nothing will happen in this garden. But it does. So they're walking and all of a sudden an arrow hits Ryland and he's he's dead pretty instantly. And there's this guy that shows up and says that like he's going to take her and for like for the dark one and she knows how to fight. She has her dagger and so she fights him and like injures him pretty badly and there's like this whistle and he like goes back. And so she's like all bloody. Ryland is dead and guards all of, and guards all of a sudden show up now and they're like are you okay and now they're like worried so they like take her to her room and on the arrow that ryland was marked with it carried the dark one's promise which the promise is from blood and ash we shall rise which is what the book is called is blood and ash so that kind of like ties everything together which love that And while Poppy is cleaning up that night, she looks in the mirror and we learn that she has scars. So there's a scar that starts below her hairline and slices across her temple, narrowly missing her left eye. And then the healed injury ends by her nose. So if you can like kind of imagine it kind of goes 
anyways, I can imagine it if you can imagine it. And then another shorter one was higher up, cutting across her forehead and through her eyebrow. And we then start to learn a little bit more about her parents. Her mom was a lady in wait and was given to the court during her right, but her father had not been a lord. He'd just been like a wealthy merchant. And she was lady in wait to the queen. And so she basically petitioned like, hey, I don't want to ascend. Instead, I love this guy so much. Like, please let us leave and we'll we'll like go out of town or whatever. So the queen was like, okay, that's fine. And her mom like chose her father over the blessing of the gods. And then once they got to that new town, it sounds like they were at the the castle, like the capital for a long time because they had both Poppy and her older brother Ian. And then that's when they were like able to leave, it sounds like. I don't really know how that all worked. Um, so when they got to this new town, that's when the mist arrived and the craven came and they, um, her parents were killed. Ian was taken back to the capital and I believe Poppy was as well for a little bit and then she was taken to Macedonia, which is where the Duke and Duchess is. So the next day is Ryland's funeral and Victor really didn't want her to go because like it's dangerous and she's like no he was my one of my personal guards I'm going to go to his funeral and so they're standing there and the commander looks over at Victor expectingly and Poppy didn't realize that Victor is needed to light the pier uh, because he was the one that basically was the commander of Ryland and so that's the tradition and so Victor is kind of like torn because he wants to stay with Poppy to protect her just in case but he wants to go and light the pier and that's when Hawk steps up so this is the first time that they are by each other see each other and they don't really know it's each other since the since the red pearl and so Hawk steps up and says I've got her (laughs) okay you can already tell that I'm so excited about this Later that night, her and Victor are talking about Hawk, and Victor tells her, like, he came here held in high regards by the Capitol, and he appears to be close to Commander Jensen, and they're not surprised that um, he was promoted already, and also they wouldn't be surprised if he was promoted over the others to become her personal guard, since Ryland's spot is now open. Um, so a couple days later, she is summoned to meet with the Duke and Duchess with Victor, and she walks in, and Hawk is in the room. So there's the Commander Jansen with Hawk, and there's the Duke and Duchess, and then there's Victor and her in this room. And we hate the Duke. He is so, oh, I hate him so much. He is just so misogynistic and so evil. And, oh, I just, I hate him so much. So he's very snide and says, oh, because you're going to be her personal guard, like she can unveil herself. Like she can take off her veil. You can see her as she is because if there's ever a situation you need to protect her and she has her veil off, we don't want you to be surprised and be distracted by her. And then as she's doing that, he's like, half of her face is a masterpiece and the other is a nightmare. 
oh, I want to punch him because scars are not a nightmare. Scars are beautiful. And I have a whole rant on that if you want me to tell you about it. I love scars. They tell all the different stories. I won't get into that, but I think scars are beautiful. Anyways, my dog is looking at me like I'm insane because I raised my voice. And he's like, hello, um, mom, you're scaring me. Anyways, um, the so the Duke loved nothing more than discovering anything that made her uncomfortable and then wanted to exploit it. So anything. And so when she takes off her veil, Hawk looks at her. He doesn't show any surprise. He doesn't show any other emotions. He looks at her and he says, both halves are as beautiful as the whole. <laughs> My heart. And then that's when they're supposed to do like an oath. And so that's when he places his hand on like the hilt of his sword and bows. And he never, like they never break eye contact. And he says, with my sword and with my life, I vow to keep you safe, Penelope. And he's spoken like a, a rich voice. Um, and then it says, from this moment until the last, I am yours. <laughs> oh my gosh. So... He actually was supposed to say, with my sword and with my life, I vow to keep you safe, maiden the chosen. But him by him saying her actual name, it just like shows us that it's not what she is, but who she is. That's like what matters to him. And my freaking heart, I already love him so much. Oh, also in that room is our handmaiden, Tawny. And we love Tawny. I'm not really going to be talking about her very much in this book, but we love her. And she's obsessed with Hawk because, of course, she's a mage who knows all about him. They all watch him. Everyone in the castle watches him. So they get back to the room and it's Poppy and Tawny. And Tawny is like freaking out. She's like, um, okay. Like he is your freaking guard. Like they're just like best friends. And they're like, oh, like ugh. it's so funny. Um, But they're like Tawny is freaking out, which is expected. And except Poppy has a really unexpected reaction. She is kind of like upset about it and she is very unsure so that's when tawny was like what happened like i know you went to the red pearl because you told me that night but what happened like something else happened i know you and that's when poppy tells her that she kissed him like they kissed she was just really nervous that he was going to like recognize her and maybe even tell the duke we obviously know that hawk like wants to advance and so poppy's thinking like if he recognizes me, if he knows, like he can tell the Duke and gain his favor and get a lot of different connections, like this could ruin everything. And she's very like nervous about that. And then later that night, she actually gets summoned to the Duke. And we learn that if anything upsets him about Poppy, he gives her lashings, which is very, very messed up. And I actually skip those couple of pages because it's just, I I really don't like it. Just anything that she does wrong that he thinks that she does wrong. Like when when she took when they were in that whole big meeting or whatever and she took her veil off and Hawk like complimented her. She kind of like smiled a little bit and the Duke did not like that. And so just anything that she does like that, that is in like in content with him. That doesn't I don't know if that's the right word. Discontent. Uh, he gives her lashings. And it's just, I, I really don't, I really don't like it. 
Um, the next night, she actually heals really fast, which is good. She, they have these like balms that they put on her back. Um, the next night, she always like she's doing her nightly ritual where she gets ready for bed and then she always looks out the window for about 20 to 30 minutes at the rise. And on the rise, there is like 12 torches. And then below that is 24. So she just watches them to see um, because they are able to basically tell you when the mist is there. So she's staring and then all of a sudden one of the flames starts to move. And then there's a flash and they all go out. All of a sudden all these fire arrows, they go over the rise. So from like the courtyard over the rise and I don't know if there's like some gasoline or something up there and it lights a whole path like in front of the rise um, so they are able to see the mist but they can see what's in the mist which are these craven as in like zombies that's it, that's honestly I'm gonna keep saying that probably that's honestly what I liken them to is just really fast scary zombies like um, in World War Z that's that's what I think of when I think of these craven, just really scary. So she's actually like gearing up. She's like, I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna help fight. I know how to do this. And Tawny comes in. She's like, No, do not go out. You cannot do that. And Poppy's like, No, I have to get out. The doors, all the doors are going to lock. Like I have to go and help. This is why I was trained. And so she gets out there and she goes pretty high up because she's very, very good with a bow. So she doesn't get in the scuffle or anything. She just does her bow and arrow and she helps a lot of people out. She's able to kill a lot of Craven. Towards the very end when like everything kind of settles down, that's when Hawk finds her. And they have her like a really cute banter, really cute scuffle. She has her hood on, so he can't tell who she is. Like it's it's a good scuffle. Like she kind of like throws it down and she puts her dagger up to him and he instantly knows who she is and instantly knows that she is from the Red Pearl because he's like, oh, interesting dagger. And then he says, do you really think I don't know who you are, Penelope? <laughs> he knows who she is I didn't expect that like on I mean maybe through her voice because she did kind of talk to him um he's the one that did lead her up to like the the lashings with the duke and but she wouldn't tell him of course like what was about to happen but she like she kind of talked to him on the way there so I think he like recognized her voice and so it all kind of comes together and he's like I know who you are and and he said that he knew who she was when she took off her veil which I don't really know how maybe he could kind of see through the veil so they have like a lot of banter and then he's like you need to go back to your room and so she does the next day the duke and duchess are like addressing the whole town or the whole capital whoever like was in the capital I guess it's not the capital because the capital is where the king and the queen are so all of Macedonia in the town where they are or the castle I don't really know they don't I don't think she has a map I need to look at the map actually if there is one anyways they're addressing their people and it's so cult-ish it's so like disturbing what they tell these people 
So they say like, oh, the gods are unhappy. Like this is why the craven reached the top of the rise. Like, but we've spoken to them for you. But they're they're not pleased with recent events here and in nearby cities. They fear that the good people of Solace have begun to lose faith in their decisions. And they're turning to those who wish to see the future of this great kingdom compromised. Uh, but we have spoken to the gods on your behalf, and we've told them that the people of Solace, especially those who live in Macedonia, are worthy. They haven't given up on you. We've made sure of that. Just like all this garbage saying like, oh, like we've talked to the gods for you. Like we, you are unworthy. Like ugh, it's just, it's so messed up. And that's when someone yells out like liars. He says, where are the second and third sons and daughters where are they really and that's when I was like what is he saying like is there is there something going on with all of them are they not going to serve the gods so that got my mind thinking in this whole different train and then he yells from blood and ash we will rise and they like capture him but she could feel a lot of anger through her gift. So she is out there on this podium with the Duke and Duchess and Hawk is there with her and also Victor. And remember that she can feel emotion. So she can feel the anger and the fear and she can feel all that. And the dissenter, we know he's a dissenter because he like called him a liar. He actually throws a hand of the craven up there. I don't really know why. Um, but they like arrest him and everything. And so that's when Poppy starts to think about what he said. Like, where are the children? Like, the children are in the temples. They're serving the gods. And she says, like, well, I don't agree that there being no exceptions insinuating th that they were being stolen as if done for nefarious purposes was outrageous. And as they're walking, she's like thinking this. And I think she says it out loud. And that's when Hawk is like, well, none of those children have been seen. Tawny is, says, well, they've been seen by priests and priestesses in the Ascended. And Hawk comes back and says, but not by family. Like, perhaps if people could see their children every so often, beliefs like that could easily be dismissed. And so that gets Poppy thinking, like, you're right. Like, they could easily dismiss these rumors if people were to see their kids, like, once a year or whatever. But no one has seen anything of these kids that were chosen by the gods. Um, the next day, she has like a, a training or like a history lesson with this priestess who's like an old hag and just like goes after Poppy and just like, it's just really upsetting. And Hawk like steps in because the priestess was actually about to like slap her and Hawk steps in and like grabs her and is like, you do not touch her. Like, this is not okay. And, and things go down. It's, it's kind of crazy. And then he's like, why do you take this? Like, what? what is happening like it seems to me like this honor that's been bestowed upon you comes with very few benefits for you which is true like I don't see any benefit to this like she's not allowed to go she's not allowed to show her face or to travel anywhere outside the castle grounds and he's like you didn't seem surprised when the priestess moved to strike you that makes him believe that it's pretty common and she's not allowed to speak to most and if and she's not allowed to be spoken to. Um, she's caged in her room most of the day and her freedom is very restricted. And all the rights other people have are privileges for her, like rewards that seem impossible for her to earn. So basically, like she basically can do nothing because she has to stay worthy and she's not allowed to do anything. 
sounds awful. Like, why would you want to do this? Uh, a week passes, and it's now the night of the rite, which this is the annual rite. And Poppy is actually able to attend this one because it's the the last rite before her 19th birthday before she ascends. So they're like, yes, you can join. And every day she wears white, and her veils are white, everything's white. But on this night, she can actually wear red, and she only has to wear the mask and not the veil. So the mask, again, covers... Like your whole head, hair, everything like that, but it comes down below your nose. So people are able to see like her mouth and like her neck and jaw. So Victor leads her there with Tawny and says like, hey, Hawk has to go and do some security detail. They get to this room and everyone are saying goodbye to like their second and third sons and daughters. The Duke actually isn't there yet. When everything's about to start, Agnes, from the very beginning, uh, she's the one that had the husband that was bitten. She actually comes up to Poppy and is like, hey, I didn't know that you would be here. If I knew, I would tell you, like, please be careful. Like, I've heard rumors something might happen tonight. Please, please be careful. So Agnes walks off and they're like, um, okay, like, maybe I shouldn't stay here very long. And that's when Hawk arrives and Poppy realizes like she honestly is not allowed to mingle or socialize or anything like that. So why is she really there? So Tawny is with her and of course she's going to stay by her side. And Poppy's like, no, I want her to go have fun. So she tells her like, hey, go have fun. You worked really hard uh, for this, right? Like she did a lot of tasks for it. Please go have fun. I'll be okay. I'm going to go back to my room. So that's when Hawk is about to take her to her room when he's like, hey, let's actually go to the gardens. Like, I know you haven't been there since Ryland died, but let's make a, a happy memory. Like, let's go back. I know you love them. And so he takes her under this willow tree and they have like a discussion about like their lives and how he was the son of a farmer. And they have a very heated moment. That's where they like kiss for real for real this this time uh, and they know like who they are and it's very heated and so they're like okay we should probably stop so they leave the willow tree they're heading back to her room to like drop her off and they're actually holding hands when victor comes around the corner and he sees them holding hands and he's freaking mad he's like this is not okay so then hawk leaves victor is talking to her very angry and she kind of like flips and she's like this whole stupid thing is the point the fact that i can't do anything Anything is the point that I can't have one night to do something normal and fun and enjoyable that I can't experience anything without being warned to remember who I am that every privilege you have and Tawny has and everyone else has I have nothing like she's just had it like she's so upset she's like it's not it's not a surprise that I want to be deemed unworthy I don't want this if someone else wants this please take it like I can't do anything. I can't be myself. I can't live my life. I don't know who I am. Like she, she just breaks. And Victor was like, okay, okay. Like we'll figure this out. Like we'll figure it out. And that's when they hear a crack, like a, a wooden crack basically. So they run back into the great hall and they actually see that the Duke has been like, uh, hanging from <laughs> the rafters. Uh, he was like nailed up there with a cane 
and it's actually the same cane that he used to beat Poppy with. So he's been dead up there. Who knows if it's been like the entire right that he was up there. Um, And also there's like a flag that says like from blood and ash we will rise. And so people are freaking out and windows start to get broken. The dissenters are storming the castle. They are like just destroying everything, killing people. And so of course the guards protect Poppy like she's precious or whatever so they like protect her they get to her to this room that the that the duchess is in as well and the dissenters are starting to like break down the door and they're all fighting the guards are all fighting and Poppy actually is able to fight and show the duchess like hey I actually know how to fight like surprise surprise um and Victor is actually stabbed Um, and he dies, which is really sad. The first time that I read this book, I actually like teared up because he's like a father to her. Like she didn't have any other father figure. He basically raised her. He taught her how to fight. He taught her to be the person that she is. Like, it's so sad. I'm so sad for her. And, um, Hawk shows up like right after that and he helps fight the rest of the people off. And then she actually passes out. So she sleeps for a long time and she's very depressed, very upset, which makes sense. And there was like hundreds that died because basically the whole city was ambushed. And when she finally does wake up and isn't as angry, she gets ready. And that's when Hawk takes her to meet with the Duchess. And the Duchess tells her that she is actually going to be leaving for the capital the next morning because the king and the queen heard everything. And... And Tawny actually can't go with them because they can only spare like a handful of guards to go. And they want to make sure that they're the most important guards and that their sole focus is Poppy. And also Poppy doesn't have to wear the veil because that will put an even bigger target on her if she does. So she is actually able to breathe fresh air for the first time in a really, really long time. Um, I just got back from North Carolina visiting my husband and the elevation freaking killed me because I was at sea level for a couple days and now I'm what, I don't know, it's here in Utah, like what, 6,000, 4,000 feet above sea level? I don't know. It's hard to breathe. (laughs) So imagine like all of that. I just couldn't. Anyways, she doesn't have to wear her veil, which is amazing. And one of the guards is Kiernan, who was um, the guard that came from the capital with Hawk. He's the one that also interrupted them at the Red Pearl. Um, So they share a horse and because she, of course, doesn't know how to ride a horse. And they travel like pretty quickly. I think there's about seven of them. And they stop that night in the Blood Forest. And we're actually going to learn more about the Blood Forest in the second and third book. Um, but that's where kind of like the Craven are as well. And so they like settle down for the night. They're like laying down and Hawk sees that she's cold. So he comes over and brings his blanket and he like lays down behind her, like spoons her. Um, and he knows that she has nightmares. And so he wanted to be close, of course, to help her stay warm. And also, I mean, he likes her. And just in case that he does have a nightmare, he can like stop it and it doesn't like bring attention to any of them. But then there's like a really spicy moment. Yes. In front of all the guards. Um, it, it was a lot. Um, but I mean, they're under a blanket and you can imagine what happens under a blanket. And that's what happens. So there you go. 
Um, and when she wakes up, she's kind of going through like the guilt of like, oh my gosh, like I just let him touch me and I am definitely not worthy. Uh, I'm still a maiden, but I'm not worthy. Um, but also she, she goes through kind of the denial, like there's no future for them. Like either she does the ascension or she is found unworthy and she's exiled and she doesn't want to put him in the situation where he loses his guard spot and she doesn't know if he would choose her and she doesn't want to put him in that situation. So she's like, it's kind of like a lose-lose. Um, so the next day they make it to New Haven for the night. And things are kind of suspicious from the very beginning. Um, there's no royal crest there. There's no ascended there. Usually um, there's an ascended as like the lord of the manor or of the little town. Um, but they said that he was off hunting with a couple of the other ascended, which they're like, okay, that's interesting. Um, so they are staying in this inn and he is getting her like ready for the night, uh, like, unpacking her stuff and she says she asks him to stay the night with her that night and he's like you realize like what you are asking me right and she's like yes like hawk is who she wants this is her cho this is her choice and she's sticking by it and they have toast and y'all these scenes they are hot <laughs> we'll just say that it like literally like makes my heart race. Like I blush when I read these scenes. Like they're not like a really crude, like a ooh, like that's gross how that's described. It's like it's like a wow. Like it's a beautiful <laughs> it sounds so weird to describe it like that. Uh it's a it's it's a uh, I honestly don't know words, but it makes you blush. But it's just so like you're in that moment with them. I'm I'm just like off on the line. You are in that moment with them, and you're like, "Oh wow, okay, this is uh, this is a lot, but it's good." Uh, I recommend reading this scene if you are interested in knowing how toast scenes should go. This is how they should go. Jennifer Armitrout is very good with her details without really being crude and gross and just she does it in an eloquent way that it's like I'm a classy lady and I'm reading about a sex scene and it's okay and it makes me blush and it makes me feel emotions and that's fine that's how I feel about it we're all classy okay like it's fine this happens uh anyways they do that um and then the next morning they like both kind of wake up um because he there's like a knock on the door and he like turns to her and he says, promise me you won't forget this poppy that no matter what happens today, the next day, next week, you won't forget this, forget that this was real. And so he goes up to the door and he get, he gets called away to like take care of some things. And a little bit later that morning, there's like a knock on her door. So she like gets stressed and goes and um, one of her guards, Phillips comes like into the room and he says, something is off. Like, my gut is telling me that something is off. And that's all I'm going to share with you. <laughs> because everything after that point reveals a lot. And I kind of did tell you a little bit of spoilers, but it's not enough that it's going to reveal 
very much about what happens in the second book. But if I but really, if I tell you any more, then it's it's really going to be spoilers. And I don't think you're ready for that because some of you might really want to read this first book before we go to the second one. And I want to give you that chance. But I'm telling you, it's worth it. It's worth it. I'm so excited for next week to be able to tell you all of the details and everything that we're going to talk about and everything that I like didn't talk about from the first book. So excited. And I'm so excited for the fourth book tomorrow. Oh my gosh, you guys. I'm so excited. I don't think there's another big book release for a while. I'm trying to think when the next one is from like a really big author that I like. Uh, I think I've been waiting for this one for a really long time, since last year for sure, maybe even like 2020. So it's it's a long time coming. This one and the Crush series, the best. Tell me what you thought. Tell me your predictions. Tell me what you think is going to happen. I want to know what you think. Uh, and we can talk about it on Instagram. We can talk about it on TikTok. Like, just talk to me. Tell me what you're thinking. Uh, but I'm excited. I'm so excited. These books get me hyped up. But anyways, I'm grateful for you guys. And I will talk to you next week.